as we entered into our 40 days of Lent this week. Let's read this uh, scripture from Matthew 4. Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Today is the first Sunday in Lent, and it's, Lent is this 40-day season in the church calendar, not counting Sundays, that prepares us for Easter. Lent began in the early church as a period of fasting and preparation for those new converts prior to their baptism on Easter Sunday. But then over time, it became a time of self-examination and reflection for all Christians. And when I was growing up, I understood Lent to be a time when I was supposed to give something up. And when I wanted that thing, I was supposed to think about, or it was supposed to remind me of Jesus giving his life for me on the cross. So for me, growing up, Lent was filled with guilt and struggle. But as I've grown, I've come to realize that Lent isn't so much about 40 days of feeling guilty because Jesus died on the cross for me and and I should feel grateful, but I, I don't always, and I don't always remember that. Rather, Lent is an opportunity to intentionally focus on our relationships with God. Have we really been transformed by the miracle of Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning? Giving something up for these 40 days or taking something on shouldn't be laden with guilt or or focused on necessarily a second New Year's and self-improvement. But instead, it should cause us to contemplate, has becoming a Christ follower actually changed my life? In what ways do I need to pull myself closer to God's power and wisdom and strength? In what ways do I need to trust God rather than to try to do things my own way? Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Enable us to be receptive to your message this morning, and Lord, challenge us to live more fully for you than we ever have before. Through the power of your Spirit, we pray. Amen.
As we begin this 40-day Lenten journey, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew's account of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. Now, 40 in Scripture is shorthand. It's a shorthand way of saying, for a long time. We see this number throughout Scripture. 40 days of rain flooding the earth in the story of Noah. Moses' 40 days without food on Mount Sinai. Elijah's 40 days without food as he journeyed to Mount Horeb. And Israel's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Whether we're talking about 40 days or 40 years, in Scripture, 40 is a long time. In this scripture, this morning, we see this newly baptized Jesus, right before beginning his public ministry, him being led into the desert, the wilderness, by the Holy Spirit, to be tempted by the devil. I think it's, I didn't register before this week that this Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted. And what does that mean? Just like the Israelites were humbled and strengthened and instructed by 40 years in the wilderness, so too Jesus is humbled and strengthened and instructed by 40 days there. The Spirit will dwell within him and the devil will oppose him. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, a long time of fasting, Jesus is famished. And that's when the devil senses this opportunity to come and to tempt him. If you are the son of God, the devil says, tell these stones to become bread. Now on the surface, this first temptation seems to be about comfort. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry. And so the devil is saying to Jesus, you have great power and you're awfully hungry, so why not make some bread and eat it? But then on a deeper level, this temptation boils down to why can't you, why don't you, Jesus, sustain yourself? You have the power to do this on your own. You don't need God to sustain you. But Jesus responds, it is written, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here, Jesus is quoting Moses. When Moses was presenting the divine law to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. By responding to the devil in this way with this quote, Jesus is showing that he understands what is at stake. It's not just a piece of bread here. It's as if Jesus is saying, just as my ancestors were led through the desert for a long time, the Spirit has led me here to spar with you for a long time. And in these 40 days, I have learned the ancient lesson of the manna, the bread from God. God is the true source of my sustenance, Jesus says, physical and otherwise. Bread certainly has its place, it's a, but like every good thing, it comes from God's hands. Jesus here is saying, I trust in God's graceful care for me, not in my power and my might in my own hands that I might have, but I trust in God. 
Well, with that, then the devil takes Jesus up to the holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So the devil wants Jesus to throw himself and wait for the angels to save him. Because if he is so beloved, then God will surely save him. This second temptation seems to be about security. Prove that you are God's beloved, that you are safe in God's hands. Because if God loves you, then God will surely save you. But Jesus answers him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Often we test God in small ways and in big ways, and we wonder, what is God going to do? Does God really love me? If God really loved me, then God would do this. And if we don't say it outright to God, we think it in our heads. The Israelites, when they were in their wilderness for 40 years, they were forced basically to trust God because they did not have food. They had no way of storing up the manna each day. It was a daily, a daily portion was given to them. And they had to trust that they were God's beloved and that God would provide them with everything that they needed each and every day. In those 40 years, they learned that no matter what, God would be there God would be their security. So hearing this, again the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, the devil says to Jesus, if you will simply bow down and worship me. Now this third temptation seems to be about glory. Worship me, the devil says, and all of this can be yours. See what you can have. Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve God only. Now, according to Moses, if the Israelites had immediately entered that promised land of milk and honey, they would have misinterpreted the abundance there for their own efforts, that they did the work to get there, and so they deserved everything they got and they worked for it. But through journeying and through being in the wilderness for 40 years, they had to learn that dependence. So Moses insists that God is the source of every true gift. And here Jesus is insisting that we serve only God, that we worship only God because every true gift, like manna, like bread, like our lives, come from God. And it is because of God's loving and covenantal promises that these good things come to us and we can be assured of those promises. We are often tempted to think that we can do things ourselves, that we don't need God to care for us that, and here we see the devil is tempting Jesus to worship him, but all too often we are tempted to worship ourselves. 
thinking of our own abilities, rather than seeing God's hand in our lives. Jesus recognizes, however, that genuine power comes from God, not the cheap, anxiety-ridden power that is is peddled by the, the tempter, the devil here. That is often the power that we seek after, forgetting that that genuine power comes from God. Jesus in this story, in the wilderness, was tempted by comfort and security and glory, things that he could have himself without God. Now, although our temptations of sin might, and our, our sins might be many, They all boil down to comfort and security and glory. Think about why you lie, why you gossip, why you gave in to that that moment of self-indulgence. Was it to bring comfort or to make yourself feel secure or to give you some sense of power? Why did you do what you did? I bet it came down to either comfort or security or wanting glory for yourself. Those are just, they're they're things. They're human things. And these 40 days of Lent are an opportunity to do this kind of soul spring cleaning, to question where we find our comfort and security and power. Do we find those things in ourselves? Or like Jesus, do we find those things and God, knowing that those best things come from God. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, we first will confess all of the ways that we have given in to temptation ourselves. And we don't do this to make ourselves feel awful, but to recognize our humanity, to recognize our own need for God in our lives. On Ash Wednesday, people had the opportunity to write their sins on a black piece of paper and then nail them to the cross. Now, that signified that, that nailing signified that those sins were removed from us through God's grace and forgiveness. The cross holds those pieces, reminding us, and they will, they will stay there all through Lent, reminding us that those sins are not a part of us anymore, that they're on the cross and they have no hold on us. They happened, and we recognize that, but then we give them up. What would happen this Lent if you gave up your sins to Jesus? Not saying you're never going to sin again, but the ones that are heavy on your heart. What would happen this Lent if you gave those to God, and didn't take them back, but left them at the cross.